You're listening to the Country Chat Podcast with your host, Dom. Subscribe, give a five-star rating, and follow us on Twitter at country underscore chat. And stay up to date. Hi there, you're listening to the Country Chat Podcast with me, Dom. Today I'm speaking with a person who's got his finger on the pulse of music. He is an incredible artist himself. And we recently did an episode which kind of disappeared into the ether. It's Gary Quinn from Buckle and Boots. Hi, Gary. Hey, Dom. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Now, we did, we did an episode for obviously yourself as an artist and before that we actually did a buckle and boots episode talking about the show itself but my audacity decided to gain some audacity and cancel on me and just close down and i lost virtually everything from that chat and it's such a great chat as well yeah i mean it was good catch up um, but obviously the gremlins and the the network didn't allow it to record as much as you wanted (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, everything so far is running smoothly. I've pulled it into a separate screen, so there's nothing that's going to kind of make it clash or stop. So we're safe for today. Good. <laughs> now, buckle and boots. I just want to get yeah. this out there now. Get it out of the way, because we've just recently had our announcement from our from our Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, regarding the kind of extension on this reopening. So for everybody out there listening we're going to make it clear that as it stands buckland boots is still going is that oh right? yeah 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 there's, there's there's not a change with buckland boots um we've also seen some of our friends and colleagues having to announce cancellations and postponements to next year but they were both falling within the uh the new window that went within the word the 19th or the yeah the 19th of july yeah but we're we're the end of july um start of august so uh, thankfully, Touchwood, that's, that's not impacted upon us and all our planning. And we're sitting down with the council, talking with the safety advisory groups, um, and just you know getting everything in place as we would have would have normally, whether lockdown was being lifted, uh, lifted or not. So it's unfortunate for uh, for some of our colleagues that have had to announce some cancellations and postponements. Uh, our hearts are with them because we know how much effort goes into doing these, uh, and some of these events uh, obviously are on on huge amounts of land and. Yeah, and would have cost a lot of a lot of money just to even get the the setup to where they were at that point before before having to cancel. So, um, but I'm sure they'll come back stronger next year too. And the, the appetite for music is, is still alive and well. So we're we're raring to go towards the end of end of July. Yeah, I can't. Uh, it, it's so so difficult, you know, when when you see kind of the news coming out, you know, from the prime minister, and then you're thinking. Oh, 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 you know, oh, wow, is this going to affect me? Then you kind of look at the dates, it's like, no, I'm just out of the woods. And then you kind of look at everyone else and everyone else is like, yeah, we're going to have to, we're going to have to postpone. It's such a difficult kind of scenario to be in because, you know, you can almost feel a little bit guilty in a sense, like I'm still going. But in, in the Buckle and Boots camp, you know, what was the kind of consensus when the announcement came out? You know, what was like the first immediate reactions? Our first immediate reaction was just, yeah, it's, it's not affecting us and, and we're, we're going ahead as planned. You know, we've always taken the positive mindset on this, that whatever, whatever we're allowed to do, we'll do. Yeah. Um, and we've had that mindset from, from back at the first lockdown, you know, we, we had to yeah. postpone from the first, first time it May 2020, then we were moving 
to the August. And we tried to do a live stream festival. We tried to put on a country breakout festival. And so it's not that we haven't been here before. So it's like we know the drill. Um, it's it's plan for every eventuality. Yeah. And at the moment, our, we're, we're, we're positive that it'll be happening at the end of July. And so that's, that's the way we're planning. And look, we've seen events throughout the world. At the end of the day, nothing's more important than human life. And so, you know, if things happen somewhere down the line that we have to change plans, and that's what we've got to do. You know, it's, it won't be the end of the world. It'll be very disappointing. But, um, but honestly, we're just we're hugely confident that this will go ahead, and we've no problems with that. And we're dead excited. We're in touch with the artists as as regularly as we can, um, and that's both with here in the UK and those across the water. They're they're excited. Uh, all the attendees that are coming along are excited. A lot of newcomers this time round are always asking different questions that feel plastered a hundred times, but yeah, but we're welcoming them because um, you know, we know that's new feet across the across the threshold that are gonna be hit by that wow factor as soon as you come on the Buckland Bridge, you see the setting, you see the setup, you see the people, you meet the people. Um it's just very a very cool, eclectic, particular little little vibe that we got going down there, and I'm, I'm sure um, everyone will have a great time. No, completely, completely understand. Now, to kind of go into the happier topic of the actual event itself. Now, before when we were speaking um, in the first chat, you mentioned that glamping is now was sold out at that point. How is the other ticket sales going? Yeah, so um, I think, you know, knowing that the announcement was coming up that we talked about there, that was probably one little thing that we were looking at closely. See if there was any impact on ticket sales in any way, um, and we've surprisingly seen that ticket sales continued to go on both um, pre-announcement and post-announcement. So, um, which again shows us the appetite and the confidence people have in this this going ahead themselves, which is good. Um, but yeah, so there's still weekend tickets, there's still day tickets, um, still camping tickets, but it's the the caravans, camper homes, motorhomes, and and clamping, they're all sold out. Um, but those that have glamping, if they wish to, could upgrade. Uh, there's a, there's an option on the website if they felt that they wanted to actually sleep in a bed in a tent as opposed to a mattress. And, uh, <laughs> they can get a warmer style duvet and those sorts of things, little things that they can top up and just upgrade a little. Uh, but all that information is currently on the website. I've got to say that just sounds amazing. Just the idea of having, because we all know what festivals are like. You know, whenever you hear of these other festivals where it's muddy and you're just in a tent, you know, just the idea of being in like a glamping thing is just so luxurious. Like, that's like ultimate lifestyle. That's like next level up from a hotel. <laughs> they are, I mean, they are very good. Um, and we've had a little bit of an issue with one of the companies and we've had to change over. Uh, Hancox have, have been dealing with that. Um, but like, I'm not a glamper. I'm not, sorry, I'm not a camper. So I, I don't go to festivals and camp. It's not ever been my thing. I think in my whole life, I've only ever camped about twice. Really? Um, and one of those was this because my son wanted to do it. So we went down to the local cricket club, you know. Um, but it just, I suppose, not really, really my thing. But yeah, I appreciate whenever I'm around people that are doing it, you know, the crack's great whenever we're down there popping boots and you see all the people that are doing it. But if people do want that little bit extra luxury, uh, I can recommend the glamping because it does take away the some of the the annoying nuances of camping, possibly, you know, even just putting the tent up, those sorts of things, put, taking the tent down, all that's taken care of with the glamping tent. You're just turning up and, and you're walking in. But um, so those that have bought, 
uh, I'm, I'm taking that away from everyone right now because there's none left. But uh, like I say, they can they can upgrade if they wish. No, that is awesome. I mean, it's such a quirky little thing to kind of you know offer festival goers. I mean. You know, next year when I've got when I can actually get time off work, I think I think I might go for the glamping side of things because it just sounds so comfortable. It sounds, you know, you can I can just imagine being a bit more refreshed in the morning and getting up and kind of like getting out of bed and like oh, just and you're there, yeah. just yeah, just perfect. I think um, I think it depends on what sort of festival goer you are as well. Um, yeah. You know, if, if you're the the type that just wants to get out there and party, listen to the music from start to finish, you'll just be wanting somewhere to put your head down um yeah but but if you want to take the whole experience in and it's it's the outdoor life and, and being around those that are sharing the same experience and, and meeting new people and then camping the definitely the way to go and such wonderful people come along to the festival you know we hear stories every year of people coming on their own and leaving with friends they feel like a family and they keep in touch every year and sometimes the next time they ever see them again is back in buckling boots so you know we've got loads of those those wonderful stories and it's going to be the first time in 15 months that we've all been able to meet up again and these people are coming from Cornwall, they're coming from Brighton, Exeter, right all the way up to the top end of Scotland coming down, some coming over from Northern Ireland, some over from the Republic, so it's um, it's just really, really cool that, you know, something that we started four or five years ago is still being used as a, as a vehicle for, for friendship, still being used as a vehicle for, for reunion and um, and then you've got great music and great food to do. No, exactly. I mean, I was speaking with a a lovely woman who owns a shop in Nairsborough, and I think she's doing a stall at Buckle and Boots. Mm-hmm. Um, and we was talking about like festivals and how everything is much like a you know this country music family. And when you've got these festivals and events, you can see that camaraderie come together. You can see everybody kind of like intermingling and meeting up with people that you wouldn't normally speak to. And you just you just get involved. It's, it's such a great family to be in. Yeah, I, I think so, but I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, think we all are. Yeah, but I, I, like that's one of the draws. I had the country music way back when I started listening to, to country music. I, and being from a, a kind of small, not a smallish town, but there's a smallish town feel to Uma that everybody knows one another in Northern Ireland. And and this this kind of moral compass within country music, you know, this kind of deep-rooted family love, um, kind of songwriting style that I feel country has and kind of followed by these these ways of living. And if, if you step out of line, then you'll be called out on it, you know. And I've, I've always yeah. found that even by going over to Nashville is, you know, they're, they're so welcoming and, and, and you can get on and do what you need to do. But if you step out of line, you'll not be invited back. And I think th- those those kind of good morals and good lessons of life, you know, just mind your manners and, um, you know, be open-minded and and open-armed, you know, to, to newcomers. I, I just feel that, that country sits well with me, but... It, pick up on your point no matter what country festival you end up at you're going to see people that you've seen at other country festivals before that feels like a reunion it feels like those people have known ever each other for a long long time but they might only see each other three or four times a year mm-hmm. um and I, and I don't i don't see it in any other genre but i think that's unfair because i probably don't attend to many other genre music events um so maybe perhaps it goes on in other styles within the uk as well but um, just thankful that I, I'm in the country and, and that's the way we tend to 
and to throw events and, and, and get, get behind one another. Yeah, no, completely agree. I mean, just, I, th I think it is a great lesson to carry through, you know, in your day-to-day -day life is to mind your manners to, you know, treat everybody with respect. And, you know, the artists are there to kind of promote themselves and, you know, to kind of create friendships. Because, you know, from these kind of festivals and events, I know you do write-arounds, so you never know. You Those artists might be finding their next co-write with somebody and have this next massive idea just from a random conversation. And, yeah. you know, if you've got somebody coming in there, you know, giving it the big I am, thinking they own the world, then it's going to be looked down on. I, I mean, I think in, in any in any genre, or just in any walk of life, you know, if there are people like that, then you, you give them a wide berth. But if you're an artist just doing that, it, it won't be just the artists that pick up on that. It'll be the fans very quickly will, will pick up on that. And, yeah. and you are a very loyal bunch. But can also, um, you know, they'll just not be accepting of it. Um, so that they would probably pick up on that pretty quick as well. But what I found, you know, walking through the festivals, seeing that I have over the last couple of years, and, and dealing with the amount of artists that I have, they're all great. They, and they all, they all love the fact that they're able to come along and play their own music in front of a discerning audience that are willing and ready and hungry to listen. So that's that's one of the beauties that I found from setting up a festival is. I wanted that, you know. I wanted this festival for UK on UK country artists that felt they had another another platform to come and, and play at. You know, where there six or seven years ago there was only a few, uh, and there seems to be a lot more now. But thankfully, you know, we're one of them. You know, I'm talking yeah. to a lot of artists that it's one of the the bucket list events that they want to play. That they got their sights set on it, and I love to hear that. And not only then do I want them to come and play it, I want them to a wait up among the Paddock stage this year, then I want to be on the main stage next year, or I want to be in that writer round the next time. And mm -hmm. and I hope they just keep setting setting new goals each and every time they come away from it. So and it's just been a great networking ground for a lot of artists. You know, there's been a lot of good collaborations that come out of it. Um we always try to encourage the artists to to stay on site for the entire weekend if they can. Yeah. Um for two reasons really. One is that they can meet other uh, like minded artists and they might hear something that like you've talked about could they want to collaborate on uh, but the other is that the fan experience becomes a little different mm -hmm. uh, i think that's something that we, we've we've steadily tried to, to keep on top of every year and it's something that the the attendees always say you know it's great that we can listen to someone like william michael morgan on the on the main stage on the saturday but yeah we're sitting beside him at the sunday service next thing on the sunday and and then have a burger with him you know so it's <laughs> So, uh, those are stories uh, I don't know if you get at too many other festivals. Exactly. I mean, exactly that. Because I think that's one great thing about this genre, particularly in the UK as well, is the fact that the artists themselves are fans of the other artists, you know, and they'll actively promote that and they'll go into, you know, they'll, they enjoy the kind of the fan side of things, you know, being in front of the stage, because being backstage sometimes just isn't as good as being in front of the stage, you know, because obviously the sound systems are pointing yeah. outwards. So artists themselves, when they want to go see their friends play, because we, we all make friends with each other, you want to be there and actually embrace them, embrace them as a full artist. And it's brilliant. I, I, yeah. love, the, I love that whole thing. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of artists championing other artists within the scene. Which is great too, because um, it's, it's it's not a competition. Exactly. You know, plenty of uh, 
country fans out there that, that want to stream our music, you know, and I'm, there's um, it's not like in America where people would hang their hat on one artist and that's who they're going to follow for the next 10 years. I feel here they they jump behind good UK acts and they follow the, the genre. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's, I think that's great because it helps us all. Um, and like I've said before, the, the UK country fan, I think, is extremely loyal and want to help as much as as much as they can. And if you're putting a CD out or a T-shirt, and especially over this last 15 months, they've always been very keen to, to jump on and help you. So, um, yeah, there's just there's enough piece of the pie for everybody that we can all champion each other, you know? Yeah. Now, looking through the kind of lists of artists that are, ho- you know, that are performing at Buckland Boots, you know, that you've got Kezia Gill, You've you know you've got Tim Prouty Jones. I'm I'm just listing people that I've had the luxury to talk to. Emma Moore, Vic Allen, just so many great artists. How how is it that you come up with the kind of the set list and the running orders and how you choose who's going to actually perform at the festival? Is there kind of like a guideline that you work to? Um, no, no set guideline as such. We, we do have an application process that we we put out around the autumn time of the the year preceding. The following year and um the idea behind that is that we, we just can't get to every single event that goes around or in the uk and we don't want to don't want to miss anybody uh, and so we've had some great people apply to play that we probably would have never heard of if it wasn't for the fact they applied and i know some people might disagree with an application process but for us it's, it's a helpful tool to, yeah. to go out and find some new talent um we do then obviously have our ear to the ground with different acts that we want to play the festival so we'll, we'll actively go out and seek them and, uh, and talk to the representatives to get them involved and, and I'm out in Nashville maybe twice a year so I'm always trying to see what's going on out there if there's anybody we can uh, hand across and some of the people I run around with over there they're, they're very well connected to, to let us know who who should be on our radar as well so we're guided well by, by those guys and we work with different agents out there too some uh, like CAA and WME so um that, that that's really a kind of mix match of everything really yeah um and then we all sit down as a team and, and go through and say right this is who we've got who do, who do we need to go after and you know who, who should who should fit in this slot or what do we feel about this and so we try to give every artist as much as possible a good 15 20 minutes where they're not really in competition with anybody but sometimes it's unavoidable um where people might want to see two acts that are on at the same time but we've tried our best this year to navigate that by giving longer switch over times between main stage acts to the, the paddock stage acts so uh, you should have a really good chance to, to see everybody that you want to yeah so when it comes to organizing who's going to be on like the paddock stage or who's going to be on the main stage you know you'll be kind of looking at kind of their engagement on say social media and their fan base and the kind of level of music that's going out there kind of thing or um, is it just a random free-for-all no uh, there is a strategic place in uh, of acts that we feel some some have played before and we want to give them an extra shot or we feel yeah. that they might be more deserving of a, of a later slot uh we feel that the crowd would be um more engaging at that time possibly there might be more people on site at different times of the day yeah um but also uh, first and foremost we we listen and, and that's the first thing, you know, so if people are sending stuff in, certainly when, whenever they're applying, we listen, but we have like hundreds and hundreds of applications. So we can't give them 
a lot of time. So it's just been good sure to those that do send in anything ever that they're, they're giving us their best work that you know straight away is going to smack us in the face and say who, who are these people yeah um and so yeah so we listen first and if we if we like what we're hearing we'll listen a lot longer see what else they're doing what have we done in the past um a lot of information's in the application as well social media does come into it a little you know what their numbers are like you know facebook instagram twitter and we're looking spotify um just as one gauge, but we know that's not the only gauge. Um, but we also, we're, we're as much as possible, try to get out and see live performances because what we found in the past is not everybody can replicate the sound that they put out as a product. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's trying to, to ensure that the people that we're getting perform are able to deliver as well. Yeah. So um, we feel this year's lineup's super hot and we can't wait to, to get those stages rocking. No, I completely agree. I'm going to use an example now, but outside of country music, because um, I don't want to upset anybody. Now, Fallout Boy, I think they sound absolutely amazing on CD, but I cannot stand the way they sound on stage. I think it just sounds horrible. And people are going to kill me for saying that, but, you know, it, it's going to be that kind of same thing, you know, that you're looking at, you know, if they can engage with the crowd, you know, create an entertaining, you know, night you know if, if they could be entertaining they're going to be you know looked more favorably on ultimately yeah i mean that's one of the toughest lessons i probably have to learn over the last couple of years um certainly you know when we're looking at um curating stages with myself being a songwriter that's that's what draws me in so if i'm hearing something that's really well produced that's um really well written yeah and really well sung then I, you know, I'm I'm listening hard, whereas um, Carl or Laura might be like switched off. We all <laughs> we, but, but subjectively, we all listen to music very, very differently, and what floats one boat won't float another. And so that's it's good to have their input with the amount of festivals they put on in the past outside Buckland Boots. That what they're interested in is there's a difference between having a festival act and somebody who's really good at putting out recorded output. And so it's getting somebody on stage who's going to be an entertainer at, at the right time and what their engagement like is and so again that's where we try to get out and see as many people as we can yeah. but we ask them as well as some that, that people send in live um live video of them performing because uh, it gives us a better gauge as well of what that's like so the Hancock's are great at that you know and we've, we've loads of different arguments about who should go where and who should play and, and that sort of way but it it is good to have that discussion because it whittles it right down to sort to, to a lineup that we're all comfortable with and feel it can deliver. So, because um, if it was entirely left up to me, I'd be putting all the what I feel are the best singer songwriters out there, you know. Um, yeah. But if it was left up to Carl, he'd be putting on the biggest band or the biggest light show. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that's a great that can that could be a great thing, but also kind of a difficult thing to work with. You know, when you're a co-founder of a festival, because Carl Hancock is the other co-founder, as well as his family, you know, Laura and Jan. Like, yeah. how, how when it comes to actually organising a festival, how often do you find yourself, like, locking horns with Carl? Like, is there times where you're like, I really want this person, and you're like, nah, no, I'm not, I'm not no, feeling it, or... There's been a few of those. Both, you know, both where I've not felt it and both where I felt I really want somebody. Um, but there's a lot of slots there. So the compromise can be can be a lot easier. Yeah. Um, 
you know, we've never we've never fallen out with with anybody we've tried to book or um, none of us have ever really put somebody on that we didn't want to put on. He might argue he never wants me to play, but <laughs> I'd say that. Um, I don't know. Generally, we're, we're pretty good at that. And and, and as regard to the logistics of festival running, um, you know, I'll I'll muck in and do, do my part and, and help with admin side of stuff. But the Hancocks are just really good at that. That's what they've done. Um, and so I'll leave a lot of that to them. And they know how to run their site. They know how to logistically set everything up. Um, and I'll just keep learning year on year on that side of things. But when it comes to music, I think Carl's pretty, certainly within country music, he, he's pretty confident that my opinion can matter on this too. You know, So now we, we have usually really good debates about who we should have on. And then it streams on to who should be on for next year. So we're already thinking about that. And um so that'll be the next discussion. <laughs> <laughs> cannot, genuinely cannot wait to see who, you know, because this year's lineup is amazing. I can't wait to see how you're going to top this year's for next year. Like, ah, I'm just, ah, I want, I want to hear it now. <laughs> but it's, you know. um, it's a tough task. And uh, we're, we're not putting ourselves out there as well to be another C to C or Black Deer. I mean, those guys have, or long road, you know, they have huge budgets and they're, they're going after a huge clientele uh, directly from Nashville. We feel what we can help with is, is hopefully deliver one or two acts that you walk away from Buckland Boots and that in a year's time can say, I've first seen them at Buckland Boots. You know, we've done that with the likes of Fillmore, done it with Morgan Evans, done yeah. it with William Michael Morgan. Um, you know, these, these guys are all, our, Buckland Boots was their first UK performance. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying Buckland Boots is the reason he went on to make it, but we were the guys who were taking a chance when they were lower down the echelon. No, and no, so... no, Gary. You need to be saying, yes, it's because they it's because they came to Buckland Boots, they just blew up. Uh, but that's what we say to the agents <laughs> in Nashville, don't worry. Um, but for, for ourselves, it's, what I really enjoy is getting out there and seeing who who's climbing. Yeah. Uh, and, and is interested in making Europe a, a good part of their strategy. Um, because look, let's be frank. Some some artists are just so set on the on the US market, and that's all they want to explore. Others have done that and want to explore Europe, or others are just starting out and see Europe as a good part of the strategy. So it's it's having those discussions with the artists that are going to buy into that, um, but then also buying into artists that buy into what we offer because it's very different to play in Buckland Boots than going to play the Long Road in the vibe of you know, staying on site and, and mingling and mixing with everybody. So it's yeah. it's having those conversations too. Um, but most of the people and most of the artists that we've we've ended up hooking up with have still remained good friends and still see them when I'm out there. So they, they went down really well at Buckland Boots and I wouldn't expect anything different then this year either uh, with, with who we've got lined up. Yeah, no, completely. Now, why Manchester? Um, just dead simple. It's, it's where the farm is. <laughs> so, um, Carl Hancock. It's his place. It's his venue. It's a working farm. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the cattle are currently out in different fields at the moment. So it gives them a good chance to to utilise the barn space that ordinarily would have been redundant through the the summer months. Yeah. Um, so it just diversified the farm and has done so for the last seven or eight years now. And um, it's just it's it's so unique to me. I feel you know it's twenty minutes outside Manchester City, and you you wouldn't think you were twenty minutes outside of any other inhabitant. To be fair, it's um it's quaint English countryside, 
farm that was stunning. And there's been a lot of new updates and improvements over the last 15 months on the farm. So even everybody that has been before will still get a, a new wow factor whenever they land on site. Yeah, no, completely. I mean, I know exactly what you mean by, you know, when the fact that it's 20 minutes outside Manchester. Well, I, I'm really, I'm really weird. People must know this by now. But whenever I really get into something, I really get into something. And when I first heard about Buckland Boots a few years ago, I wanted to go see like the location it was. And it's such a stunning, stunning area. I mean, Whitebottom Farm is just... How did how did you get involved with the farm owners? Like, how did that all start off? Uh, so about six years ago now, I um, I played one of the Hancock's festivals, a festival called Blackthorn Festival, and they'd never had any country acts on before. And... Um, I'm led to believe that Jan, Jan was the fan and uh, they, they wanted me on or had asked me to do that that year I applied, but through different commitments, I wasn't unable to. And uh, gladly they said, will you, will you come and play next the year after? So I did. And uh, what they really enjoyed was, if anyone's seen me play, certainly acoustic, uh, they enjoyed my style of introducing a song and you know, talking about the, the inspirations behind the songs, delivering the song then and and the different um the different styles that I would you know, some hockey talks, some hard tuggers and then um they were up dancing towards the end and they liked then as well that I hung around and spoke to people afterwards. So through that we just continued to have a great conversation the rest of the day and I just talked a little about, you know, upon approaching the venue or coming up the path the venue I just thought this would be an amazing place for a country festival and so yeah. we talked a little about the country scene at the time and you know C2C had just started up really um you know there's a lot of new developments within the country vibe here in the UK um but I had to leave the site that night so so disappeared exchanged numbers and didn't hear anything for three months and three months later Char rang up and says do you want to do you want to meet and discuss that, that festival idea again so the following year it's just crazy, you know, how you can think that because, you know, even when you've, you know, changed numbers and a month goes by, two months go by, two and a half months go by, you're thinking, I'm not going to hear out from this. You know, this is this is at the bottom of my phone now. It probably the initial message is probably like 10 pages down because you've been messaging a million other people and this pops up and it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This this is going to be fun. Well, I think that's it, and like I've got to know Carl very, very well now over the years. Um, and anybody that knows him, he's hugely ambitious, and I think that's what's needed. You, you need someone that's going to pull the trigger and stuff. Yeah. Um, I'd be a little more of an overthinker and uh, <laughs> dissect a lot more and debate a lot more. Uh, but sometimes it doesn't need that. It just yeah. needs to be done. It needs to make a commitment, and and that's it. And uh, the Hancocks are very good at that. Um, when they believe in something and they want to deliver something, then 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 you're in. And so when Carl did get back to me, uh, I hadn't even been thinking about it to be fair. Like you say, it just becomes a discussion that I've had with, with numerous other people over the year and or over the years. But but Carl's very driven and um obviously seen something in the idea at that time, but wanted the whole festival season to die down before he looked at anything else. And um yeah, thankfully, we were able to deliver that first one in 2016 with Phil Vassar headlining, which is a great, good friend of mine. 
who's this weekend, I think, just been inducted into the Songwriter Hall of Fame, which is amazing in Nashville. So, Insane. Um, yeah, always cool guy. Um, and anyone that was at that first one, a lot of them have continued to stick with us and bring their friends back the next year and it keeps growing and growing and growing. Yeah. No, that is that is genuinely amazing. Just that, just the kind of birth and creation. I mean, I know exactly what you mean, you know, in terms of sometimes you just need somebody who just goes out there and just, when when people say don't press the red button, you've got that one person that always just goes, doink, and it's done. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, sometimes, it's sometimes beneficial to have that person because that way just the ball gets rolling. It just gets, it just happens. And sometimes I think, and I know exactly what you mean by you can get in, you can sometimes get into your own head a bit and not not being anxious, but kind of you want it to be right. You want it to be perfect. You, you We're all kind of perfectionists in a way, but we're all creatives as well. You know, we've got so many ideas flying in, flying out, and we want it to be right. You know, we want something that's going to last. We want that longevity, but we want quality as well. And, you know, it takes a special person to to have that skill to determine what is still right, you know, what still is good, but to have the courage, possible word to use, you know, to actually just boom, done. Sure, that's what be frank about it. I mean, he's got the balls to do it. That's, yeah. that's, the, that's the, the, the crux of it. Like, I mean, um, I've had this vision, you know, for years and years growing up in Northern Ireland and I've just not, not seen where it would have been viable really because... I came over to the UK mainland year 2000 to study. Yeah. Uh, it was only into 2006 that I really got into the UK country scene, thinking this was a, a viable market that I wanted to look at. Um, but it was nowhere near as. I'm not having uh, this. Affluent. I, I'm not having this. Right. Year 2000 to come over and study. You're only 25. Like. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was a child prodigy. I was studying at uni when I was six. <laughs> oh. so it's um so i've seen the growth of it over the years and and to be brutally honest whenever we were discussing this i was asking carl to hold off a year mm-hmm. i didn't feel little enough time from the october to the, the june was our first one june 2016 so from the october 15 probably didn't feel we had enough time to, to deliver but he was hugely confident he's a hugely ambitious man like i said and and he, he was adamant that we needed to, to run with it at that point. And the truth is, had we not, we'd have been left behind because two more festivals were very quickly out mm-hmm. um, not that long after. So he, he pulled the trigger at the right time for us. Um, and, and thankfully, we're, we're still standing, still still running and, and still delivering what we feel is, is a pretty eclectic lineup each and every year. thing is, though, you, not only have you just triggered at the right time, you've triggered at the right time where you become a fundamental part of the UK country scene. Because whenever people talk to other people about festivals, I've spoken to other artists, and there's like a list of three or four, five, six big names that we always come across, you know, we always mention ahead. You know, obviously we talk about the C2Cs because that's where the the big A-listers tend to flock to because it's centre of London. Absolutely. And then we mentioned things like Long Road. But Buckle and Boots is always there as well because of how genuine it is. You know, it's how down to earth and really goes to the roots of country. And that ultimately is what country music's about. It's about being at the roots. It's about being with the fans for the fans. Yeah. Um, we 
we try to to give them a different experience of buckling boots. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little more compact as a site than the likes of Tennessee Fields and certainly the Long Road. Um, the, but we feel, you know, with great selection of vendors, uh, a lot of great food stalls, a lot of great um, unique boutique style stalls. And then um, we, have a, we have a great bar. You know, we're always challenged from newcomers about alcohol on site, but it's a business for a start off. Yep. Um, but it's a working farm. So cans and rubbish and glass bottles and all that sort of stuff that will go with that at, at campsite can be very detrimental to the ground, mm-hmm. but also dangerous to the livestock. And so it's part of the licensing uh, terms within the, the, the license for, for Stockport Council um, and having the, the license to sell alcohol on the premises. So that's that's where our hands are tied. But like I've said, it, it has to be a viable business as well. So we have a great selection of beers that are very, very keenly priced. I mean, any anyone that does comment online, we have a raft of people that come in behind and say, listen, don't worry, there's a great selection. You won't be too much out of pocket when you're, and you're not run out of beer. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> so um, and so those are some of the, the challenges and things then again that, that we'll see. And like I said, look, I've, I've been to festivals and I understand that it would be nice maybe if you could have a can here and there at a, at a tent or whatever, but um, I think just a bottom boots, you're, you're, you're mingling with everybody. There's a great party atmosphere to late into the night. And um, yeah, like I said, you'll not go thirsty. You know, for other festivals, you know, in terms of, I mean, outside of country music, you know, I've been to things like Leeds Fest and you, there's like special gates that you have to go through away from the camping site into the actual arena. And you're not allowed any bottles, you're not allowed any of your own cans or anything like that. You've got to purchase whatever inside the actual arena bit. You know, it, it's, you know it's, it affects quite a few people. And yeah. ultimately, when you see the hard work and dedication, I mean, watching on Facebook, watching Laura put together the bar, yeah, it's just, it's amazing. It looks so authentic. This tin shed, just brilliant. Yeah, it's um, yeah, another brainchild of Carl Hancock's that. Because uh, we have a couple of movable bars on site, um, that just makes it easier that. Logistically, if, if we see things are bottling up somewhere, then we have another bar that can be brought in to, to ease the um, ease the load. But yeah, like I say, you know, it's one of the new things at the bar. Um, people see that the the new bar that we have installed, and it's absolutely huge. <laughs> it's, yeah. um, it's it's going to be a, a massive eye opener to people whenever they come along and just see see the new setup. So. Um, Anyone that is concerned about the fact that you can't bring, bring alcohol, like, honestly, you'll be fine. And what's on offer on site, there'll be, there'll be something for everybody. No, I think people are certainly in for a great weekend. Absolutely fantastic. Everything that I've seen so far has just been grade A. Like, it's perfect. Absolutely perfect. I mean, particularly in a time where we've been craving and craving and craving this kind of live music, you know, event you know to have to still have this going ahead is certainly going to be most welcome for everybody and if it means going and buying you know an extra however much it's going to be for a beer it's going to be naff all you know when you think of the long-term effects of you go into a festival you're going to go enjoy some live music just enjoy the weekend yeah exactly (laughs) 
One thing I want to definitely touch upon, though, in terms of Buckle and Boots and its branding, is your logo. The whole buckle, yeah. like the buckle. I mean, I'm a big fan of buckles. Um, I had a picture taken the other day. You know, you can see my country music buckle. It's it's kind of similar, but it's not as good as the Buckle and Boots one. Just whose brainchild was that? Uh, I came up with a name. Um, so whenever we were deciding on names for the festival, we were back and forth about different things. And I had um, I'd been to a festival in Nashville with Rory Peak that was held on his farm. And it was one of the reasons I thought about, you know, a farm-based festival. Mm-hmm. But his was called the um, Buckle and Bib Festival because it was very much around a bit of music, but more so on home-cooked food. Ooh. And um, so then coming away from that, that was always in my head. And we were looking at different names for the festival uh, when I was speaking with Carl. And there was a strong... Um, a strong thought that we wanted a lot of blues within the festival as well. Yeah. So we were going to call ourselves the Buckland Boots Country and Blues Festival. Yeah. And then we just we just dropped the blues part, and we do have a few blues artists now and again, but it's, we felt it just wanted to be more country, so we went with the country buckle. And um, I actually helped design the logo too, so I'm quite creative and seen that the B could be used twice, but we could make a guitar out of that. Um, but the big thing for me is the, the two cowboy boots. Yeah. So one of the cowboy boots has the Union Jack representing the UK on the front. And then at the back of that, you've got the, uh, the cowboy boot with the American flag. And just for me, the tagline on that was putting UK country music on the front foot. And that was what we were trying to deliver with this festival. That is so spot on. So subtle, but so clear <laughs> as well. It's so striking. No, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, it's we get questioned on the name now and again. But, um, and everyone in America tends to call it Boots and Buckle. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but, Boots you know, and Buckle doesn't have that same ring, though. Buckle and Boots yeah. just, I think it's because of the S, you know, the way that it kind of rolls. You know, it's nice to have that roll at the end. Yeah, well, that's why we were thinking too, Buckle and Boots, Country and Blues, because we're going to play on Boots and Blues. But um, it's just turned into Buckle and Boots now. It's just a own little brand, some yeah. thing. Um, I mean, we have Country Festival on there, but I think we're just we're buckling boots now. I think when it comes, I mean, I understand like the whole country and blues, but to me, all you have to do is put country because I like, I've said this before, you know, on my shows and you know, on other radio shows, the way I view country music is like an umbrella. And the word country is the actual handle and it's the main like shaft in the middle. And then off the top, you've got like your spokes, you know, the metal kind of clips that holds all the fabric of the umbrella together. Now, that whole fabric of the umbrella is music. And these spokes are the different kind of like genres of music. So you've got your pop country, you've got your alt country, you've got your country rocky, your outlaw. Then you've got your Americana, your folk, your blues in a sense. Obviously, blues can then separate out into other things. Um, but I like to think of it as all in this kind of umbrella, this all kind of everything surrounding itself in terms of a of a scene and of a genre and I think country just sums it up perfectly yeah country has many different facets and again going back to subjectivity like you know one person's country song is not necessarily another person's country song and um, mm-hmm. the genres are, they're there as guides more than anything and then there's video that came up with these guides just so they, they could 
get some sort of format to what they want to put on air. But for, for me, I, I know what I feel country to be, and I, a good 95% is, is on offer. Yeah. What I feel is country. There's little shades that's paid outside that, but I think that's also good because not everybody wants to listen to the same thing repeatedly throughout the whole day. So there's a nice little selection of eclectic different styles uh, throughout each day. Um, and so, yeah, country can be whatever it is that you want it to be. Now, my next question is please. Please, 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 please. I'm gonna say please a million more times, but we need to have this buckle on sale, like as an actual collector's thing. <laughs> We've um, we did sell the buckle, I think, on the first year. Um, I think we might have sold it year one, year two, but unfortunately, we had a bit of a problem with the supplier, um, and so the quality wasn't great. I don't think it might have snapped on a few people. Um, it's something that we're looking into, but we might have to do a poll and see what people are prepared to pay. Because I think when we try to price it up, you're, you're kind of looking at around the 50, 60 pound mark. And I don't know if that would be That's a little too expensive for some people or not. thing is, though, when you're buying authentic stuff, I mean, I've got a pair of cowboy boots that cost me $200. got a cowboy hat that cost me $300. You know, you're paying for the quality. You know, I'd rather pay 50, 60 quid for a buckle that's going to last me than 25 30 quid for a buckle that's just going to snap yeah you know, I, I, i've had buckles on me that have snapped before and i've paid a fiver for them and i regret yeah. it and i'd rather spend that little bit extra on something that's a bit sturdier yeah well it's uh that's certainly something that we'll, we'll be looking into might not get available for this year but we have a, a merchandise um link that we can always put stuff up on the shop um We've got a lot of hoodies and t-shirts and beanies and hats and all sorts of stuff there. Like, but um, I think it'd be too hard to put a buckle up there once we get that up and running. So yeah, just keep maybe keep your eyes peeled. <laughs> I cannot wait. Oh, <laughs> I'll set. I'll be refreshing it every day now. You've you've set me going. <laughs> now another thing I really want to go into um, is silent discos. Just the whole concept of a silent disco is just legendary. <laughs> I. Whose idea was that one? Was that yours or was that Carl's or? No, it'll be Carl's again. That's a bit of a, a bit of an out there one for me. That, um, <laughs> but in truth, I have been to a silent disco on the farm premises, and it was a great experience. It, it surprised me actually. Um, it was a game changer in me thinking that it could actually work at Buckland Boots. So, uh, it'd just be really interesting. I think you know uh, we're gonna have three channels that people can tune in and out of. Three DJs picking the sets for each of those channels, and um, it's just real fun sitting back watching somebody dance to the song you're listening to, but it's not necessarily the song that they're listening to. And then you have people kind of stop and say, "What are you listening to? What what channel is that on?" You know, so it's it's really interesting just um, to be around that space. And not everyone has to buy into it either. By the way, you know, there's still be music being piped into the the venue yeah. at different points. Um, but yeah, it's just something different that we thought we'd throw in this year. Yeah, Carl's brainchild. Please, please. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna keep saying please to you. We need some like webcam footage or some like GoPro <laughs> footage of the actual silent disco itself, and we can kind of like tune into what people are listening to and seeing how they're dancing. And you know, for those yeah. that who can't actually make the um, 
Buckland Boots Festival. Actually, I'd, I'd, I'd pay to see like different sections, like a, a video feed of like the main stage or a video feed of the silent disco, just to see, just to see the atmosphere and see people enjoying themselves. Well, I mean, streaming is something that we're actually discussing at the moment. Um, but that would be more so streaming outside of the UK. But I'm sure there'll be some sort of live feed that we could do uh, for that first silent disco anyway. I think that would just be um, <laughs> a, a unique video that we'd want to put out there to, to let people know something that we do here at the farm, you know? Yeah. It, ultimately, it's about having fun. And yeah. that's the great thing with silent discos. I mean, because you can, like you're saying with the three DJs, you know, I can imagine there's going to be like one for like, newer country and then one for like a more of a classical country and you know a bit more of a variety you know to sounds you know well, that'll be the plan um you know, trying to come up with with something that is a bit more on point with what we're delivering as a festival in itself so that kind of near nashville kind of comfy contemporary sound um but again You've been listening to that all weekend, so you might want something that you're more familiar with, and it could be something from the next channel. It could be the '90s backwards, um, you know, heading back into the the '60s and '70s. Yeah. Um, but then I think there should be a channel that's completely off off the beaten track and and go with Manchester anthems, you know, and mm-hmm. get everybody singing along to Wonderwall and that sort of stuff. <laughs> Just because again, as much as a lot of the people that come to music festival are are country fans. They're music fans, and so we don't have to just stick with um, with country for these options for the sale of disco. So it it gives people that choice if they want it. No, exactly, completely and utterly and wholeheartedly agree. I mean, before country music, I was into the indie scene. You know, like the acts that were coming from Manchester. I used to listen to radio stations like Radio X um, with yeah. Chris Moyles all the time. And before that, it was rock. And, you know, people are brought up with whatever, you know, is around them. And I used to listen to what my parents listened to, which is the same for a lot of people. And for me, being based in the, here in the UK is a lot of like this indie rock side of music. And that kind of influences you on what you kind of like, you know, when you go down into other genres. Now, when I go into like the country music genre, I like everything because I've got such a diverse, eclectic taste in music. Whereas yeah. somebody else, they might prefer, say, the poppier side of country, or another person might prefer the rockier side, or another person might prefer the traditional side. You know, there's so many things that kind of enables us to follow down a path of music that we all like. And having a Manchester kind of channel, or that kind of localised area channel, is brilliant. It's so quirky and different. Yeah, um... Let's kind of just watch this space to see who we get in. We might specifically go after someone from that genre to come in and, and be the DJ for that for that silent disco. So yeah. that could be something people can keep an eye out online for if we end up uh, getting who we're after. But that, that's, a, that's a secret for now. But um, <laughs> it could just be another, uh, another talking point for, for Buckland Boots, you know? Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Now, another talking point is on your poster there's a nice little thing just above the silent disco and it's a thursday evening something is happening in the barn yeah on the 29th of july right that's right can it it says (laughs) in brackets exciting new tv show filming can you can you tell us more can you can you give an inkling on what's going on there 
Well, the plan for that is um, it's a, a new project that we're we're linking into with Destination Country. I'm sure you know the guys involved with that with uh, Lyric Magazine, Your Life in a Song, Triple Fet Management, and uh, EF Country. So those that conglomerate of, of Destination Country. Um, with somebody we spoke to about doing a, a magazine-style st- TV show uh, based around UK country music. Um, we don't feel that there's there's anything quite out there at the moment that's uh, specifically zoning in on that, but we also don't want to do what we're, we're seeing on TV at the moment from a lot of the different country-based TV shows. So we want this just to be a bit more a bit more fun, a bit more exciting, a bit more unique. Um, but there is going to be a buck and bowl at the Buckler Boots this year. So the plan is that we get an artist leaderboard and an attendee leaderboard and try and get those on Fulham. And uh, just just to be a bit quirky, I think the way we tried to pitch it is somewhere where it's a mix between the Jules Holland, Little Jules Holland show and Top Gear. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to hold it together. I mean, the thought of artists and fans and just people involved in country music on a booking on TV as well. Just if 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 anybody's been on one and they've been a bit tipsy, they it can go two ways. It can be a lot of fun, or there can be slight injuries involved. Like <laughs> I just got this horrible image of like Dave Grohl with his foot in a cast. Yeah. Uh, nobody will be jumping on a boat if they're still to perform. <laughs> <laughs> totally get that. I totally, totally yeah. get that. Now, is there like some waivers that people might need to sign then, just in case um, there is any <laughs> accidents, obviously being filmed? Uh, I'm sure the Hancocks have all got that handed <laughs> up in the, in the contracts, yeah, whenever they're... Or it might be just something that's put under their nose before they jump on. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we've got that lined up. Um, like I say, just as, as a bit of fun. But there, there, we do intend then that there'll be some live interviews in front of the audience, some live performances from some of the artists as well that will be attending that weekend. Um, and just try and capture those performances and, and collate it in around three or four episodes worth of, of material that we can start releasing then from after the festival throughout the rest of the year yeah. and into next year. And pick up on some festival performances, do some more interviews on site throughout the weekend, different um, um, scenic spots, use the cabin for some things as well, and look for some audience participation, uh, some of the games that we might want to get involved with too. So just trying to make it as fun as possible and and having the, the, the festival as the backdrop to it all. No, definitely. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I, it's such a... Again, I love the all the little quirky little things that really go into the planning and the kind of setting up the scene and everything about the festival. It's just so, it's so uniquely perfect. It's um, it's interesting <laughs> whenever <laughs> whenever the ideas present themselves and everybody gets excited and then you go away and think, oh yeah, now we have to go and deliver this. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's um, I like guess been the stressful part, you know, but. This, uh, it's just something that we think uh, can be used as a continuation of what we're trying to do at the festival. And, and going back to even the logo, you know, what's it about? It's about promoting UK country music. Um, we all know that, that Nashville is the mecca of country yeah. music. Um, but over the last two, three years, I mean, the, the, 
the production, the writing, the deliverance of UK country music has massively increased. Um, I'm, you know, two 24-7, well, three 24-7 country music channels now, all wanting to hear new material. And, mm-hmm. and given some space to UK acts, not a lot, but they're given some, they could definitely do more. Um, but, you know, you're not going to get on those shows if, if the quality is not right. So there's been a, a huge move to um, to do that. And, you know, there's a huge responsibility in the UK country artists as well to, to deliver on that. You, know, you can't yeah. just say, hey, I'm a country star and start putting out acoustic songs all the time, you know. So it's, we all have to invest in ourselves before we can ask anybody to believe in us, you know. So it's I've, I've really enjoyed sitting back in the last couple of years watching what has been been released by UK country artists and and seeing that that threshold getting higher and higher every year and um, exactly and I commend all those artists for doing that I think it's fantastic. I mean, I only really got into the the actual UK country scene properly in 2016, 2017, and just seeing the exponential growth year on year since then in itself has been amazing. Now, when you look further back, you know, when you start going through the the archives, through YouTube and whatever you can find, you know, it has been, it, there's been amazing artists, there is amazing artists, and you just know that there's going to be more future amazing artists coming, you know, but in such a crowded market, there's still, you know, quite a few artists themselves coming to the forefront, and particularly here in the UK, where country music, you know, we, we always view country music as an American thing, but to have our own UK country music is just so, it's so lovely to have because it's so uniquely British. Yeah, I, um, I, I agree, you know, that we need UK country, UK country acts, but, and that they need to be good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how quali- but how do you qualify good? That's the subjective part. Mm-hmm. Um, is my good as worthy as, as somebody else's good or you know why does my good have to be higher than anybody else's well it doesn't it's just it's just for myself as a as an artist i know what i want to be putting out i know what i want to sound like yeah and but i also know as a country fan what i want to listen to and there's some fantastic uk acts that i, I sit back and listen to um and uh, we've got someone at the festival this year i think jake morell's really powered on this year it's been fantastic um I'm excited to hear uh, Ray Sam, you know, who's, who's come out of nowhere at the beginning of the year. Um, and I want to see what she's, she's able to deliver. you got Tim Crotty Jones, who has been delivering some cracking material um, in the last six, seven months. So there's a lot of a lot of great things happening. Kevin McGuire, Deanne Exeter, you know, they're all putting out some, some great tracks. So it's, I'm excited for this year, you know, and, and I'll be... I'll be fangirling just like anybody else whenever I get the time. Now, there's one thing that's going to be especially special is on Saturday, on the 31st of July, at 1.30pm, a certain three artists are doing a song swap. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Yourself, Casey Gill, and Jade Halliwell. Yeah. I'm so... Um, that needs to be filmed. That needs to be documented. That needs to be archived in the archives of history because I cannot wait to hear you sing either a Jade song or a Kezia song because yeah and and likewise for those two for you yeah that's something that's transpired really out of um, out of the lockdown period 
Uh, I've done a few live streams and got the two girls involved to come on and do a song swap with me. First one went down really well, and so we, we've done about another three after that, I think. Um, and just it was it was interesting as an artist to cover another UK artist and and see what way I could take their songs and listen to what way they took they took my songs and you know, some of it was quite emotional, some of it was quite funny, and uh, and we know each other quite well, so I just think it'll be a fun round anyway um, for, for some of the stories that we can come up with. But that that's something that was born out of lockdown that, that some people asked for uh, and so we're just honoring that within that live stream that we know a lot of people have, have asked for so um yeah looking forward to that that should be good fun now coming towards the close there's a couple of things that i definitely need to mention things that are genuinely genuinely brilliant and you only really see these in bigger festivals but you're doing it for your own you've got a shuttle bus going yeah, we, we've always had a shuttle bus that you know can pick up and drop off down at the uh, the coastal village. Um, again, that's just to do with some traffic planning that we, we submit that whenever we're doing event planning to the council, and it's uh, just making sure that the traffic going through certain areas isn't too much um, and isn't too disruptive. But uh, most people find it find it very very beneficial. So anybody that's camping, they can just wait for the shuttle, you know, pack the gear up under the shuttle. Mm -hmm. They'll be dropped off on site and then they, they can go and find their, their camping spot. There are, there are options for those that are arriving on the Thursday that they can um, they can drive up and drop their stuff off at that point. But, you know, you can just touch base with, with Jan or Laura in the office and, and do that with a telephone number on the website. So there, there's plenty of options for, for it to be accessible for everybody. And... Um, yeah, the shuttle's always been beneficial. I think one of the things that I genuinely love about it is in this day and age of being carbon neutral and looking after our carbon footprint, that is one of the best ways to get a mass of people to a certain location is via a shuttle, rather than having so many cars trying to pile into the same area at once, particularly in such a rural area. You know, it is it's such a great way of doing it. Well, I mean, like I said, it, it is part of the event planning, but the carbon footprint is something that is on our forethoughts too. Laura is very, very keen on that and always looking to source materials in that way and is always thinking about the carbon footprint of not just Buckland Boots, but of all the festivals that take place up at the farm. Um, and the cups is, a, is a, a big one of that, the reusable cups that we that we use. And we just source some some new ones with, with different logos on for the four festivals are, are happening this year. So, um, yeah, it's, it's something that we try to trick. It probably wouldn't have been my first thought, but it's certainly something that Laura um, was pretty adamant about. And then she's very, very um, on the front foot with that too, which is great, you know, because it, it does it does help with the, the image and the reputation of festivals if they can be very mindful of their carbon output. Yeah. No, definitely. Now you mentioned cups. Then are they like cups for that you put a deposit down, or can you actually buy these cups to then be refilled? So we have some special edition cups this year that you can purchase for uh, a larger fee than just putting a deposit down. Um, but it's only nominal, I think, uh, three to five quid, I think, for one if you want to um, get the special edition one, and that'll have a, a list of all the artists that are playing at the festival. But yeah. then there, the other ones are just a 
like a quid deposit, put a pound down, uh, get the cup for the weekend. If you want to bring it back, you can do, and you get the pound back. And if not, then you've got a you've got a nice little souvenir for for a quid. Um, and then the artists will get their own cup whenever they're coming along and stuff. So it's yeah, it's if you go on the website, I think you'll be able to see these new cups and, and what we're going for. Uh, and we'll still be using some of the older cups that have the handles as well from last year. So yeah, all ready to go. You see, I'm a Yorkshire lad, and the, my mind went straight into two different directions. I was like, oh, that's really cheap for a souvenir. You know, like a quid to have a souvenir, or even three to five quid to have a special edition one. But then the other side of me was like, well, a quid, that's a, that's a shopping trolley token. That's, that's... <laughs> I'm not tired, I promise. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is so dirt cheap. To, just for a souvenir, you know, people pay you know, 10, 15 quid for you know, cups and bottles and stuff like that from other gigs and, you know, a couple of quid. I mean, come on. Plus you're saving the environment. Like, yeah. what more do yeah, you Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, listen, normally the um, the people that attend are happy to pay the quid. And then they forget about their cup and they're coming back for a new one and stuff. So it's, um, yeah, like I say, it's a, it's a nominal fee. So uh, it, it goes down pretty well. People like them. Now there's 42 days, 11 hours, 31 minutes, and 48 <laughs> seconds. Are you excited? Absolutely. Can't wait to get out there and get this going. You know, we've had some, uh, I've had some gig cancellations because of the latest um, government announcement. So that's been a bit of a downer. But just buckling boots is there, the back of my mind, knowing that's happening and getting up on that main stage and rocking out a few tunes of my own, but then sitting back and, and watching everybody else deliver over the weekend. So super excited. Now there's a special thing that you're doing to get other people excited as well, ready for the, for the festival. If they go to Spotify and they type in buckle and boots, they should be able to get your official playlist. Yeah. Got their playlist up there. We've had that up now. That's the, uh, well, so two years ago, we tried to update it and we tried to update it with, uh, with those that have played before, those that are going to be playing the, the upcoming festival, uh, and then one or two others that we feel should be on people's radar and wouldn't be remiss to think we might go after them at some point. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, looking through the list, I mean, come on, there's like there's some great artists on there. I mean, obviously, Kezia Gill, you know, she's performing the Shires, you know, they're doing a special acoustic performance, but then you just have a little scroll down. And there is a certain, a certain Jimmy Allen featuring Brad Paisley. I mean, come on, let's let's get him over here. Let's get him here. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna dream, dream big. Um, <laughs> exactly. I uh, I got to meet Jimmy actually. I did in C to C Berlin. It was one of the last gigs I was able to do before lockdown, and um, we were able to just hang backstage with everybody else. It was great to, to catch up with some people. But he's a lovely guy. Um, and he's one of those artists that I was talking about earlier that does have Europe heavily involved in the strategy and what he wants to achieve. And it's, it's quite forward thinking. Um, you know, the, those new artists coming out of Nashville aren't just thinking about the US market not being the only market available. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it'd be great to go after someone like that and have them play at Brooklyn Beach somewhere down the line. And like I say, you know, some anniversary, you'd never know. But um there's just there's a huge array of talent out there and we've been fortunate enough to, to link in with some of those people and, and they've become good friends like like William Michael Morgan, Phil Vassar, um, 
you know, TV, Trent Hallinson. And I've got good fortune enough to write with some of these people too. So it's it's been a nice um, a nice way to help me uh, kind of get better at my craft, but uh, make some really good friends along the way that are interested in, in exploring the European market. Yeah, I mean, absolutely absolutely sensational i cannot i'm really jealous because i can't go this year because of work commitments so i'm like praying that there's going to be some form of like live stream but i'm certainly there next year there's going to be nothing in the world that's going to stop me from going next year <laughs> i just cannot wait just cannot wait i so, everybody if you haven't got a ticket yet get yourselves a ticket quickly before they go because it's it's one of the first festivals it is one of the first festivals that is happening here in the uk and it's country music. What more do you need? Live music, beer, and some good old entertainment. Absolutely. Yeah, people can just go ahead to the uh, the website and they'll see all the links that are there. And we are getting kind of close to where we would want to be cutting that off. So um, snap those up as quick as you can um, if you don't want to miss out. That's it. So the website itself is just buckleandboots.co.uk. That's right, yeah, and same on, on social media, we're just buckling boots and all, that's our handle for all the usual social media outlets. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much, Gary, for coming on and talking about buckling boots because, again, you know, you guys have done such an amazing job in generating a festival that does appease to every single level of fan here in the UK. Well, I appreciate it. appreciate your time and give us another platform to get, get out there and talk about it, so... Um, Thanks to your listeners for joining in and telling them to give us a follow. Good to have their company. Fantastic. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Take care, and I'll see you all next time. Bye for now. That was the Country Chats Podcast. Join Dom next time for exclusive interviews, reviews, and general chit-chats on all things country music.